0: I, I think this thing that we're doing with AMCC and developing the network of BFFs is 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 really good because I have spent my entire career in manufacturing. I haven't spent that much time working with the, with the government. It's all been on the private side, and it's not always clear to me, like how do these incentives work, and you know what's the best way to actually take advantage of it. I'm learning more about that at AMCC and. It's great getting uh, connected to kind of the regional partners, um, state level, you know, resources, and and you know, the federal um, resources. I have seen some of our clients recently uh, in the semiconductor manufacturing space. Uh, I believe you know, taking advantage of some of the more recent um, uh, incentives, which is which
1: is which is great to see. That voice was Kevin Ross, Industry X Managing Director at Accenture, leading the way for American manufacturers from the private sector. His interview coming up next on the podcast Manufacturing and American Century. Welcome, Americans. You're listening to the podcast Manufacturing and American Century with your host, Matt Bogosian. We're excited today to be with a systems leader and best friend, BFF of AMCC, Kevin Ross of Accenture. Welcome, Kevin.
0: Thanks, Matt. It's great to be here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being on the podcast. Um, as anyone connected to AMCC knows, our stakeholders come from all parts of the manufacturing ecosystem. That means working, uh, working with all kinds of folks uh, who are systems leaders in government agencies or nonprofit organizations, but it's especially important in private companies. And um, so we're, we're excited to have you on to, to hear your perspective and your, your long history uh, being part of the manufacturing ecosystem. Um, before we talk about Accenture's place and the work you're doing now, give us give us a little rundown on on your background. Uh, you 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 got trained as an engineer, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. My degree is in industrial engineering um, from the University of Arizona. I've been in this field since 1990. I've always been in manufacturing, new product introduction, product lifecycle management, and supply chain. So I've been engaged uh, in this in this field for my entire career, and it's it's really been interesting and enjoyable, and I've seen a lot of changes over the last three decades in this space.
1: Oh yeah, well tell us a little bit about it. So you were working in manufacturing during the, the 90s, right? And the contraction of American manufacturing, what was that like?
0: Well, it was actually pretty interesting. I worked at a company called Harman Cardon JBL in Southern California, we were actually manufacturing. We had about a half a million square feet of manufacturing space. Very vertically integrated factory, uh, with electronics manufacturing and machining uh the largest wood mill on the west coast um and we had a the leader there actually dr Sidney harman had pretty much made a commitment not to outsource manufacturing um and uh, i remember actually doing a couple tours uh well one tour in particular for jimmy carter so we did a factory tour for jimmy carter and his wife Rosalind, and i got the opportunity to be front and center because we were really showing off a, a, a centerpiece of american manufacturing um at the time so it was a it was a great experience but i spent about yeah But you
1: years guys were a fi- fish uh, swimming upstream right with the current trends at the time huh
0: we were and that's when there was a huge movement uh an american manufacturing to to offshore um and take advantage of uh of lower cost wages in other regions and you know potentially even less strict you know environmental controls um, as well but there is a major movement in that period of time from all the large OEMs uh, in the u s and, and 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 manufacturers and, and all in all industries to look for lower cost regions to to produce so we saw a lot of manufacturing jobs obviously move offshore uh, you know i i and th- these numbers may not be up to date but uh, and we can <laughs> we can do a fact check at the end. But there, there, were, there was about half of the, the working population in the 1950s was involved in manufacturing. When I started my career, it was down to about 12%. And I think it's somewhere around 7%. But we'll, we'll have to fact check those. But the, the, the point is that number that, is in, that was involved in the industry uh, has dropped pretty significantly since um, about the 1950s after World War II
1: yeah and so uh from from that manufacturing experience then uh, <clears throat> then you went into a more strategic direction tell us quickly about that
0: yeah well the first role at Harmon card was great because i got to do a lot of things hands-on in the factory i really enjoyed like doing uh really factory design factory layout designing processes um, working with engineering to introduce new products After that, though, um, and that was all within quote, you know, the four walls physically in in the four walls. After that, I went to Hewlett Packard, and I worked at the network server division at Hewlett Packard, and that was what at the time what they called the virtual factory. So it was a global perspective; it was manufacturing sites really in in all the regions of the world, in in APAC, uh, in 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 Europe, uh, in in Latin America, uh, and. and uh, we had opened new locations in in China uh, at the time, but the point, or right, that strategically, the focus then was like, how do I manage a a, a, a global quote, virtual factory? How do I introduce new products? How do I manage production? How do I set up manufacturing on kind of this global basis? So, from being very kind of local inside the four walls to more of a kind of a global uh, perspective, um, it was just it was just it was a great you know it was a great experience kind of seeing both. You know, seeing both sides of the world. So I've had the benefit of being uh, involved in, in, uh, in very small manufacturing and very kind of large global manufacturing. Um, after Hewlett-Packard um, did a couple of startups. Um, one of the startups I did was actually in Santa Barbara, California. It was a spin-off from UCSB, and we were uh, utilizing uh, new technologies around high-temperature superconducting and I'll try not to go into too much detail because we could probably spend a whole podcast just talking about this, but <laughs> we, did, we did thin film deposition uh, and, and we're creating uh, low noise amplifiers for the telecom industry. And the product saw, solved what they called the near far problem. So if you have a competitor's handset near your, your tower, but your customer was far away, you'd get a lot of noise that you'd need to filter out, but you need to amplify the signal. What was unique about it is that these electronics operated at um, about 72 kelvin in the field which is like minus 285 degrees fahrenheit so we had to have devices that would allow these electronics to operate in the field at a very low temperature and uh, we actually had a, a device called a Dewar, sort of like a thermos it was actually doer is the name of the scientist who the scottish scientist who actually invented the, the thermos but we were able to keep the electronics cool in the field for about 40 Watts of power, which is a lot less than a light bulb. So anyways, very interesting very high tech, another vertically integrated, you know, manufacturing site, I was director of advanced manufacturing engineering there and helped kind of scale and grow the manufacturing at that site. Um, that was a smaller factory. It was probably, you know, two or 300 people. Um, and it was more of a, you know, how do we leverage this, you know, technology to grow in this, in this space. More recently I spent, uh, before coming to Accenture, about ten years at Cisco, which is also a globally outsourced manufacturing company, very high volume with hundreds and hundreds of, of products um, outsourced in different regions of the world.
1: So I was going to say that that it, it you have a great perspective of the private sector in manufacturing from the smallest, you know, or small uh, manufacturers all the way to some of the big biggest, <clears throat> plus the trends. Throughout the decades, um, you know, uh, and and so tell us a little bit about uh, your work at Accenture and how Accenture is seeing, you know, uh, the importance of um, you know uh, participating in these public private partnerships.
0: Yeah, so I'm a, a member of our Industry X team, um, which is really focused on kind of the, the the next and latest wave of kind of the industrial revolution right so industry 4.0 is a big part of that and then kind of even moving on beyond uh uh, industry 4.0 which is really kind of this marriage of cyber and, and physical world so how do you digitize manufacturing to help optimize uh in terms of quality cost uh and delivery uh i'm currently our our west coast uh lead for the um for the manufacturing segment within industry x and we're seeing um a lot of change coming and this is part of our conversations with AMCC, obviously, Matt. So I think we're all kind of up to speed on what we're seeing in terms of macro changes in the environment, whether it's geopolitical instability, if it's sustainability issues, um, you know, such as carbon footprint or, uh, or, or, or even the, the, uh, the disruption from climate change, what we're seeing in terms of you know, extreme events, et cetera. Folks are looking to shorten their supply chains and, um, uh, and and reshore nearshore where they can. And what's interesting is if you look at the information, most of that's driven by their uh, desire to meet unfulfilled uh, demand. So there's risk to revenue of these large companies because they're unable to fulfill um, their 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 demand. So um, it's it's not even it's not even cost that's leading this; it's really ability to generate um, new revenue. So uh, yeah, so that's a big focus. Uh, the other focus is there's newer demands for, um, for domestic products, right? So I think it's re- being raised in the consciousness of, of, most, of most Americans and, and probably people around the world, but they're looking for regionally produced products. So if you look at the list of reasons why these companies are moving back, those actually are two on the top, which focus more on revenue and, and customers, even more than on, on cost and other other factors.
1: What do you say to to other private, uh, you know, manufacturers about participating in their regional ecosystem? You know, that means, uh, you know, with public agencies and nonprofits and and other manufacturers.
0: Yeah. So yeah, Accenture is a very large company. We have over seven hundred fifty thousand employees around the around the globe. Um, the industry acts as a smaller segment. Matter of fact, this 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 manufacturing space and digital engineering has been a growth focus for us over the last five or six years. So historically, Accenture was not involved in this space. It was more of a systems integrator and a and a kind of an outsourced you know, service provider. So this has been a huge growth area for us, and it's had a major impact on our on our revenue. So what we're seeing is more and more of a focus of of uh, of uh, digital engineering, digital manufacturing, you know, in, in the U S um, you know, we focus on, uh, at Accenture, we tend to focus on large customers, right? So we look at, you know, my, my, my region happens to be the West. I spend a lot of time in Silicon Valley, so you can imagine the companies that I'm engaging with. Um, and those are the companies that are starting to rethink their manufacturing strategy. Uh, I think the recent incentives you know that we've been talking about you know the inflation uh, reduction Act, uh, chips for America, the Fabs Act, et cetera, has had a huge impact kind of on their on their thinking and, and their their approach. And they want to make the switch uh, uh, for the same reasons that I've been talking about. really, it's kind of product it's, it's continuity of supply, right and product, product availability. Still a a big one, you know. um, There, I I think this thing that we're doing with AMCC and developing the network of BFFs is 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 really good because I have spent my entire career in manufacturing. I haven't spent that much time working with with the government. It's all been on the private side, and it's not always clear to me, like how do these incentives work, and you know what's the best way to actually take advantage of it. I'm learning more about that at AMCC and. Great, getting uh, connected to kind of the regional partners, um, state level, you know, resources and you know the federal um, resources. I have seen some of our clients recently uh, in the semiconductor manufacturing space. Uh, I believe you know, taking advantage of some of the more recent um, uh, incentives, which is which is which is great to see. And I think that's important because I think when you look back thirty years, you know, and, and we talked about how things were moving offshore. I'm not so sure we had all the right i'm not sure we have the right incentives in place because it seemed to me that the incentive was just to find the cheapest labor that you can and it seemed a little short-sighted and um and and other issues that i think we're now seeing it created risk for us it's not only in, in losing our intellectual property because um there is a huge amount of at least trade secrets and, and intellectual property that's required to transition from a product design to a scaled manufacturing environment, and I think we've just lost some of those, you know, some of those capabilities, some of those skills and capabilities. I think that's a that's a, a risk, and um, and we've lost some of the uh, obviously the, the skill base, right? And we have to rebuild that that set of uh, you know qualified skills. The skills are going to be very different now, going into kind of this new phase, because the phase, I mean, it's going to be focused very much on newer technologies, uh, like automation. right? And this is a pretty interesting you know, data point that I was just looking at uh, the other day. In that period of time, labor rates in China have gone up by 400%. So over the last, actually in the last 20 years, so since 2000, 400% increase. Robotics and automation has dropped by 60% in that same period of time. So you can imagine kind of the forces that are changing the dynamics in terms of like how how do I think about where I actually you know, place manufacturing because labor labor arbitrage is, is dead, say they say, right? So it's it's no longer the, the main main cause. And we've got many more things to be concerned with um, that will have a big
1: impact on that decision so uh, accenture does a lot of pro bono work and reduce fee services you also are experimenting with these innovation hubs around the united states for rapid prototyping and other things like that can, can you tell folks a little bit about that and how people can engage with the innovation hubs
0: yeah we have different innovation hubs not only around the us but around the, the world um, and each one tends to focus on a specific topic um, so, for example, we have an innovation hub in Houston, and you can imagine the focus there is on the oil and gas industry, right? We have one in Silicon Valley, which is focused on high tech. Um, we also have one in, uh, 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 in, in the Midwest. Uh, we recently invested at Purdue University and created a joint, a joint kind of tech uh, innovation and the focus there is much more on automotive Um, and the idea there is how do we bring kind of the latest greatest thinking uh, expose uh, uh, you know the next generation of of workforce engage them in that technology uh, that's you know part of it but also you know how do you make the connections between what what the what the companies need in terms of new skills and, and capabilities that we would offer at Accenture and, and help merit to the biggest problems that they're starting to to struggle with or that they're currently struggling with
1: so how would how would people get connected to to those innovation centers like what what happens there um, are these just for big companies or uh, you listed the example for Purdue University so that's a, a student focused activity or what?
0: Yeah, that's a student focus activity. I think you know a lot of times I, I'll just be straight out. Right? Accenture tends to focus on bigger companies, right? And um, mm-hmm. we tend to engage our, our clients and engage the clients at at those uh, at those innovation centers. Usually, when we're hoping to do you know you know business development um, work with them, there's another branch of Accenture that that we haven't talked about and which i'm actually learning more about and it's a it's a it's a joint venture that we have with microsoft and it's called avenad and they focus on uh, a little bit smaller companies than accenture um, proper does and kind of opens up that market i noticed that you know one of the things that we discovered at amcc is that there's a lot of mid-market players and, and smaller players um in the ecosystem right i think california as we learn, something like thirteen thousand manufacturing companies, right? And you wouldn't imagine that, but many of those are the small players. So we're looking for ways, like, how do you actually engage um, with with tier tier two, tier three suppliers? You know, if you think about what our large clients need, they need visibility into their extended supply chain. So they we need to create, uh, 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 you know, digital connectivity or or, or uh, Uh, digital threads and digital twins that extend beyond the four walls of the factory and before and beyond the four walls of an individual company and integrates the the work of the broader um, supply chain. So in terms of how you can engage, you can go to Accenture.com and you can look up Industry X and you can do a search and you can actually find all of our innovation hubs on our public website. The other alternative course is to reach out to me and I can help connect people to you know s- uh, specific subject matter advisors in specific industries um and as the the more we can tailor to the specific uh requirement the, the better match we can make between the an industry expert and a, and a client
1: so how are your uh, biggest clients uh you know getting uh, you know visibility into their supply chain so it sounds like they're recognizing the need right to have a closer supply chain um you know what are you hearing from your your clients about how they're doing that and where they expect to be doing it in the years to come
0: yeah well in the la- just in the last 10 years there's been a host of new technologies that allow this um in, in in ways that we couldn't do before number one cloud technology right the fact that you can have apps you know in a centralized location where all players in the supply chain can tap into the same resources that makes a big difference right before it was uh it was kind of the telephone game right where you had each company had their own internal systems they would estimate their production they would communicate that to the other company they would make their own estimates about production so on and so forth, so forth up and down the chain and there is uh, delay, error and miscommunication in each one of those nodes, right? So if you can have a centralized uh, data source to create a single source of truth, you get a much better, much better visibility. We create solutions that we call supply chain control towers, right? And put those processes and capabilities in place. So you have say a common data lake where shared uh, uh, data sets are, are available. You do analytics across the top and then you're able to communicate more real time. One of the biggest issues in supply chain is what they call the bullet effect, where everybody buffers um, either up or down at each node of the supply chain. And by the time you get to the end of the supply chain, you have huge mismatches in supply and demand. So these kind of digital control towers help you overcome some of those issues of, of visibility. So that's one example. Another example is, um, What you can do with uh, with sensors and uh, new technologies like 5G or 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 even Bluetooth and focus more on real time track and trace. So it's much easier to see real time status, location of your your products. Right. The sensors uh, and there's two sides of this one is the production facility itself. The other one's the product. Right? So you can monitor your production facilities, right? Whether it's your, your, your manufacturing equipment or uh, con- consumption of, of, of inputs like electricity, water, etc. You can determine if a, uh, uh, a piece of equipment may be at risk for failing and shutting down your production line. Uh, so you can see this in, in ways that you haven't been able to do before. So that's real time, you know, track and trace using some of these new technologies. Sensor technology has made it huge advances in the last um, five, or, five or 10 years. So you can have low cost sensors that you can either build into your, your, your product or your production facility or add them in a retrofit type of, of fashion. So it provides kind of new visibility that you didn't have before. The other part of this that we talk about is digital thread and digital twins. So the digital thread is how do you how do you. How do you, um, stitch all this together across the different, uh, sites in your manufacturing center, different suppliers. Um, and the digital twin is, uh, a digital representation of either the product or the factory, right? So you can have a digital twin that's constantly collecting information around the performance characteristics of your factory. Um, so you have more of a real time visibility to events, you have real-time alerts uh, and you get to what we call either um, you know, moving beyond um, you know, pre- predictive almost to prescriptive so that you can take that information and help your operating teams determine what the next steps should be uh, to resolve any issues in their manufacturing sites.
1: So Kevin let's talk storytelling a little bit your perspective is super important you're in the private sector you've got big uh, companies that want to get their supply chain closer uh, to to them uh, to the design of the work uh, in North America that's a good trend but no doubt you guys are having to you know tell the story about why it's important for small and medium sized manufacturers uh, you know to do some of the basics, like digitization, right, it was almost like a threshold, you know, uh, technology that needs to be adopted to open up to uh, these other emerging technologies. As you know, uh, you know, we've identified what we think are the the big six elements of a thriving manufacturing ecosystem, and one of them is is operational improvement. Uh, yeah, let's talk storytelling. Uh, you know, and we're all kind of struggling with uh, bringing more of our small and medium sized manufacturers into the 21st century technology uh you know we have uh, uh around 300,000 manufacturers in the United States and we have these uh, awesome uh, new technologies we've even created a system supported by the federal government of, um, these manufacturing institutes that focus on key 21st century technologies like digitization, like 3d printing or additive manufacturing, you know, but these are, you know, these, these, some of these small and medium sized manufacturers, uh, you know, are, um, uh, you know using older technologies we've need to we need to update them and and we have these some of these new federal interventions are helping um accelerate the pace of adoption but it but the success of adoption requires really an ecosystem of support all kind of telling a similar story right so you're a you're a a, a player in in the, uh, the private sector uh, helping to strengthen uh, manufacturing. And so I was curious as to, you know, what tactics um, do you think are most um, productive? I mean, small, medium-sized manufacturers need time. They need capital. They need uh, the know-how and, and folks to, to help them make that transition. We can't just wait around for them to do it. Um, what are the tactics or suite of tactics um that that uh, you think are, are most promising to make that transition sooner than it otherwise would be
0: yeah well i think it's like one of the biggest barriers to to adoption of these new technologies is really the skill and the know-how to be able to do it right and you look at the the resources that are in demand the resources that are in demand are going to be um the resources that know how to operate and maintain robotics right so robotics technicians um you know, for uh, for example, um, uh, you know, how do you develop that 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 skill set uh, that you need? I think we we help in probably two ways, right? One, in the near term, being able to bring subject matter advisors and spend time with small businesses and help them understand what they need uh, to do, where the value add is going to be, what their options are in terms of technology uh, adoption. We also have a very strong uh, apprenticeship program at uh, at Accenture, and this is something that is relatively new in the last say five to ten years. Um, but we're starting to bring folks that maybe don't have the college degree and maybe don't fit the model of maybe a typical you know management you know management consultant you know type of, of role, and we're bringing them on to projects at Accenture to give them real hands-on experience, right? And um, I think we need more of that really across the U.S. We don't have the strength and kind of this apprenticeship you know, type of, of, of programs that we've, we've seen in the past. I think that's a huge opportunity for all of us, especially in the manufacturing space. Um, you know, I talked about it early on in my career you know, being inside the four walls of the factory. There's nothing like being there right, and getting exposure to what's actually going on and seeing what kind of the daily issues are. Um, and if you can give people those opportunities, I think it starts opening, opening the doors a lot. We needed folks to transition from existing work that they're doing today to new things. Um, you know, this happened before <laughs> I look at back at the end of this, this goes way back information. I was looking at a long time ago, but at the end of the, the, the 19th century, so in the 1890, 1895, you know, the majority of our population over 90% was involved in agriculture right? That number's now like 5%, right? We're not all farmers anymore. We don't need to be farmers anymore because we have new techniques, new automation, new capabilities that just don't require it. Same's true for uh, current jobs that we might be involved in today. So how do we get people to open up their minds, right? And get exposed and redevelop into kind of new jobs that are in fact in, in, in demand as the technology changes the requirements change. I'd do believe that a, an apprenticeship program that's kind of more broad spread uh more widely spread is super important to that and then obviously that needs to cascade down into our entire public um education system so through our through our, our junior colleges through our high schools junior high schools it just seems to be a shift away from the types of skills that you would need to be in a manufacturing environment i think we need to get back to it now again they're going to be new new, new skills and new new capabilities um, you know, that support, uh, these new techniques that you'd already talked about, right? 3d, 3d printing additive manufacturing, uh, et cetera. Um, but, uh, I, 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 think we need to think things end, then s- systemically really across the whole, the whole, the whole interaction, uh, of government and private sector. Uh, I think there's a huge opportunity there and hopefully we can make some impact.
1: Yeah, well, I think you already are uh, definitely leading the way as a as a private BFF in AMCC. Uh, we appreciate that very much. I'm glad you're highlighting workforce. Of course, that's one of the big six um, uh, elements of the pillars of what we think. Uh, uh, you know, every region uh, in in the country needs to improve to have a a robust manufacturing. Ecosystem. um, And uh, there's lots of demand there. I mean, the good news is, you know, we've had uh, investments in the last couple of years uh, that, uh, by some accounts, uh, are bigger than the New Deal investments. you know, into the economy. Uh, you know that that were so uh, so uh, influential uh, in the 20th century. So, but but it gets down to implementation, right? So, like I was saying at the outset, we have the you know policy steps forward, but what you know what is the implementation? That's got to happen in regions around the country and with public and private players. And so, so it's great to great to get your your take uh, on all of this. Uh, Kevin, do you have any final words for you know the AMCC community, uh, regional leaders, uh, business leaders out there who you know uh, uh, would benefit by by participating in these public private partnerships?
0: Yeah, no, I I think we all need to be aware that that this is in fact happening, right? And there's recent Accenture research that says there's going to be about a trillion dollars in new manufacturing infrastructure introduced in North America in. Uh, in the next 10 years, so by 2032, this research was done in 2022, there'll be about a, a trillion dollars in new infrastructure focused on things around manufacturing. Some of it will be in in Mexico, some of it will be in Canada, the, the lion's share of majority is going to be in North America. How do we all work together to create a very healthy ecosystem um, of, of, uh, of suppliers, uh, that you know, it, it you you have to think about all different levels, right? I, I look at semiconductor. I just uh, it, there's over twenty different, literally twenty different countries involved in the semiconductor value chain from raw silicon, you know, sand to a finished microchip. So you think about that, and it's 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 it, everything needs to be kind of uh i guess balanced and connected and it's it's the big players it's the large players uh as you mentioned the public private uh you know uh, partnerships are super important um for that um but we got to realize that it's not just individual companies we're, bringing, we're we're looking to bring back we're we're looking to bring back an entire ecosystem
1: thank you kevin ross managing director at accenture thanks for being on the podcast manufacturing and american century thanks matt great being here You can learn more about AMCC by joining our weekly mailing list at americanmcc.org backslash subscribe. If you're a manufacturer, economic development professional, workforce and trading person, capital provider, or work in any field critical to American manufacturing, send us a note. We'd love to hear about progress from your part of the ecosystem and join us on our Monday calls. The next episode of this podcast, Manufacturing in American Century, will be coming out soon. So, in the meantime, spread the word by sharing about AMCC and the podcast on your Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Manufacturing in American Century is available on Spotify and all major podcast platforms. Thanks for our production partners, AMCC Operations Director David Van Sicklin and Mr. Mike McCallan from Podcasting for Associations. That's it for now. I'm Matt Bogosian with you, Manufacturing in American Century.
0: for the freedom of man.